If you have a Bible, get to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 8 today. This last week, I sent out an email and a text. It also went to our Facebook page of a four-question survey to try to get a, a sense of where our church is at when it comes to reopening and those kind of things. And in short, uh, it looks like the original plan that we had communicated in mid-June that you can find on our website, on our YouTube channel, that looks like it's still going to be our ongoing plan at least through August 2nd, which is outdoors, the ideal setting. Uh, indoors, you can read that plan. I won't go through it all this morning, but indoor, we'd be creating three different venues. So pay attention to that. If weather would force us inside because of either Uh, excessive heat or rain or storm, those kind of things, we do have an indoor game plan. So make sure you catch that. Thank you for uh, responding to that. We had uh, 95 different people and 80-some households respond to that. So uh, I'm grateful to be able to get a sense of where our church is at when it comes to that. My prayer has been since mid-March is that the Lord would strengthen and build His church. And that's my continued prayer, that the Lord would strengthen and build His church. We would walk graciously with one another. We would walk as a testimony to our larger community, and we would walk in a way that maintained the the unity of the Spirit that we already have, and walk in a way that would reflect Christ, not only to one another in the church family, but also to our community. So Luke 8, I bet you're there by now. Church, I want your life to bear fruit. I want my life to bear fruit. I want the life of this church to produce spiritual fruit that would glorify the Lord. What does the word fruit mean? Well, Galatians 5 gives us some examples of the list of the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that our lives would produce or would grow things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But that's not all that we pray would grow and produce in our lives. You could say that by fruit... The the Bible's saying that spiritual growth would take place in our lives. A growing Christ-likeness. Growing attitudes and actions that would reveal our inward faith and trust in Jesus. And that growth or that fruit in our lives would then lead not only to our good, but the good of others, as well as the glory of our God. The Bible's continually trying to get get us to think eternally, not just eternally, but also generationally. Long-term rather than short-term. So listen, when we talk about fruit and spiritual growth and you and I becoming more and more like Jesus, we must not just think about today. We've got to think about a week out, six months out, a year out, five, ten, thirty years from now. The Denham family, the Troth family, Hughes, Zares, Funks, Fogels, Steinbecks, Garcias, Masons, Wilsons, and on and on. And whoever is with us, I want your life to bear fruit. I want your family tree to bear fruit. I want a growing Christ-likeness that 20 years from now, when you and I are whatever, sick, I'm in my mid-60s. I want our family trees, I want our lives, our current lives, and those that follow us, whether related to us or not, the people we work with, the people we live with, to bear spiritual fruit because we walked with Jesus today. Because we were faithful today. Now, where does that kind of life, that kind of 
local church ministry that bears fruit, that produces fruit, where does that begin? Because such a life isn't, doesn't happen by chance, it's not by luck, it's not, well, it just kind of worked out for us. And to have a life that bears spiritual fruit, and I'm not talking about health, wealth, and everything is going to be awesome. I'm talking about spiritual growth in both seasons of suffering and success that results in the good of the people around you. Such a fruit-producing life begins with an area that we actually control. And it begins here. It begins with our ears. How we listen and hear the Word of God. How we respond to the Word. The Bible that we have on our laps. That I pray every Sunday morning we would bring on our laps so we could open that up and hear from the Word. If our response to the Word is, is, is hearing and, and this humility, I'm going to welcome this truth into my life and heart. I'm going to align my life by it and trust in its goodness and trust in, in the goodness of the God who breathed it out. Even when it runs contrary to what I think, even when it runs contrary, I'm going to go, I'm going to trust in the Lord's ways, His wisdom, because they're higher than mine. When our response is characterized by that kind of attitude, it's going to lead to the result of spiritual growth. It all begins with how we listen and hear the Word. When you're looking at a passage of Scripture on your own, you always want to try to see, are there reoccurring themes? Are there reoccurring words being talked about in this passage that might help us get the big idea of what the Lord is trying to speak to us through His Word? Well, in this passage, verses 4 through 21, we see that. The theme of listening and hearing is throughout. Verse 8, verse 15, verse 18, and verse 21. And Jesus is not talking about our ability to register sounds entering our ears. When he's talking about listening or hearing the word, he's talking about receiving them as truth and then aligning your life to them. Having ears on the sides of our head are not enough. And we all get that. Because we've all probably heard in our lifetime someone ask us, a coach, a teacher, a parent, are you listening? Are you hearing me? And for those of us who are older, we've all probably said that. Maybe some of you said that this morning. Are you listening? Are you hearing me? We've got to go. It's 9 a.m. nowadays. we got to roll. There's a type of hearing or listening that goes to your mind, goes to your mind and goes to your heart. So may we listen to the words of our Lord and Savior well this morning. He's going to give us a familiar parable talking about four kinds of soil or dirt and where the seed, which is the Word of God, the, the kind of soil that the seed lands in will determine how it grows or how it won't grow, how it produces fruit or won't produce fruit. Millions of seeds around this building have been planted earlier this year. Those seeds had one purpose, to grow and to produce in order to benefit others, to bring benefit to those who did the work, to put them in the ground and take care of them while they're in the ground, as well as bring benefit to those of us who are going to go to the store and buy 
products as a result of their hard work. And so it is spiritually. We have one purpose, to grow. The seed of the Word of God planted down into our hearts has one purpose, to grow in order to benefit others. One question to consider as we jump in is, what soil is your life characterized by? What kind of dirt are you cultivating in your life? Because, remember, the kind of soil that we cultivate is within our control. It's on us. We determine where the seed of the Word lands. So may it land on good soil today. Verse 4, starting in uh, chapter 8 of Luke. As a large crowd was gathering... And people were coming to Jesus from every town. He he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path that was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Jesus taught in parable often. A parable is an earthly story intended to teach a heavenly or a eternal truth. And this one, the story is all about farming. The sower carried a bag of grain over their shoulder and the, the bag of grain sat in front of them and they would cast that seed into the field, and it would land on four different types of soil. Soil one, the path. As that seed was scattered, some of it would not even reach the field. It would fall on the edge of the field along a path that travelers or passerbys would walk upon. So that soil was incredibly hard. Where birds would come devour it, it had no chance because the ground was too hard. Soil number two, the rock. This was not dirt with a bunch of rocks in it, but rather a a thin layer of soil. And then underneath that, a layer of limestone or a layer of of rock. The seed would spring up quickly and you'd you'd think, oh, the seed's going to produce. But then it's not able to take root. It's not able to get moisture. It's not able to go past that rock layer. Soil three, the thorns. This dirt was too fertile. It welcomed anything and everything. Thorns and grain grew up together. Some of the weeds that Jesus is referring to here, maybe you have these in your yard, they grow to six feet tall, and they flower. They bloom. And while they would look appearing, or while they would look appealing from the, from the outside, what is actually happening underneath that ground is that weed is choking out what is intended to grow. It was dominated by the thorns and weeds. And then finally, soil four, the good ground. When seed hit this dirt, it produced, it multiplied. It didn't just produce one seed for one seed, but it it produced a hundred times what was sown. Because again, seeds have one purpose. To produce, to grow, for the benefit of others. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Jesus often broke out that line. If you're a parent in here, I think it's a good one for you to hide away in your heart. Just tuck away. When your kids say, I, you, you keep saying this all the time. Hey, listen, I'm just quoting Jesus. Okay, tuck it away in your heart. Verse 9, then his disciples ask him, what does this parable mean? 
So he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know. And to the rest, it is in parables, so that looking, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. Don't miss this moment here. The disciples who often didn't get it right the first, second, third time, just like you and I, they aren't afraid to ask Jesus a question. They don't cower in fear, quiet of, oh, maybe we should already know this, and they aren't afraid to ask Christ a question. Because while Jesus is fully God with all authority, he is also personal, near. A parable is like a doorway into a room called truth. And Jesus is saying, some look at this doorway and go, that's ah, an odd door. That makes no sense to me. I'm, going to, I'm not going to go through that door. I'm going to keep on walking. And it reveals the hardness of the person's heart. And there Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament. And he's saying, from the days of the Old Testament, days of Isaiah, to the days of now in the New Testament, there's always been hardness of heart. There's always been ears that are unwilling to listen and hear. People that miss life-changing truth that is right in front of them because their ears are closed off to the truths about the kingdom of God. May that not be said of us. May we listen with ears that we have. Be encouraged that if you're in this service, if you're watching online, and you're tracking along, you're saying, okay, I, I, I think... I see the spiritual implications of what Jesus is talking about, that he's not just talking about farming, he's talking about the heart. And praise God if you're seeing that, because that's evidence of the Spirit of God at work in you. Verse 11, Jesus begins to explain the parable. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Having no root, these believe, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they heard, go on their way and are choked out with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who have, after hearing the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. So let's go back through the four types of soil, the path. The devil looks to snatch the seed before it can take root. The ear is the gateway to the heart. And along that path where the seed of the word is trampled upon, it never penetrates the surface. And we see the devil's purpose here, to take away the seed of truth, because in doing so, he can prevent it from producing for the benefit of others. Loved ones, you and I are in the midst of a spiritual war while on this earth. You have a real spiritual enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is not for you in any way. He is opposed to you in every way. And he knows that the book that you have on your laps, that these words are living and active. There is power when a person dwells in the word, memorizes the word, prioritizes it in their life. An invisible war is taking place. And while that should sober us, it should cause us to put on the full armor of, 
of the Lord that Ephesians 6 would talk about. At the same time, the reality of a spiritual war doesn't cause us to live in fear of the devil. Because if you're in Christ, you're battling from the high ground. Not from the low ground, but from a position of victory. Your faith and trust is in the one who beat the devil's schemes and overcame the power of sin in our lives. Who in the end will have the final say and ultimate say over the very, very temporary nature of the devil's influence. Church, may we not be naive to the spiritual war that you and I are in. May we walk by faith, putting on the full armor of God, not living in fear of the devil, but living in fear and awe and reverence to the God who is above all. Soil to the rock. The seed of truth hits the soil. It is received with joy, but then the heat of a trial or test comes. And when that heat of trouble in their life comes, the seed doesn't produce. It withers without any water. I've seen this in loved ones. It's heartbreaking. They trust in Jesus, but then suffering or difficulty hits them. Persecution hits them, and they turn away from the Lord. They stop listening and hearing from Him. If that's you, and you're hearing my voice, and ultimately you're hearing from the Spirit of God, I pray that we would have ears to hear, and that we would trust in Him, that know that He does not forsake us in the trial. And also, please hear this, the The Scriptures tell us that persecution or trial often arises because of our obedience to the Word. And some of you get that. You faced mocking or rejection of others because you're saying, I'm not going to go down that wide road anymore. I'm not going to walk toward destruction anymore. I'm going to walk in a new way. Listen, don't compromise your biblical convictions. Don't let that seed hit the rocky layer. Trust that he is able to produce in you more joy, more delight following his ways than the ways of this world. Soil three, the thorns. Remember, this soil just received everything. It lacked discernment. It puts everything up on the same level of authority and truth as the word social media, counsel of ungodly friends, your upbringing, news, music. You're just throwing all of it into the ground, all with the same level of authority. You're not weeding out what's false. And tragically, what happens is the false begins to choke out the truth. And thorns spring up that might even flower. It might even look pretty on the, on the outside. But down underneath the surface, in your heart, they're choking out the truth. They're choking out truth that actually leads to transformation and good. In the thorny ground, other matters become the greater concern. We get obsessed with worry. We get obsessed with gaining wealth, thinking that's where security is found. We get obsessed with chasing pleasure after pleasure after pleasure because we want to escape from the world that we are in. They become the priority and the focus. And what happens gradually, one day you wake up. It's been a month. It's been six months. It's been six years. And you go, boy, I... What happened? And there's just been this gradual drift. And what on the outside looked like, hey, there's some flowers here. They're flowers from weeds. They're flowers from thorns. And what's happened underneath that surface is that the truth has been choked out. Some of us need to do some weeding today. 
Just there needs to be some constant weeding in our lives. And not just plucking it at the surface, actually digging a shovel, getting down into that root of the weed, and not allowing it to grow again. Walking in the light of others, asking others, hey, would you help me weed? Because weeding's terrible when you're by yourself. Would you help me walk with the Lord, walk in the light, so that truth might flourish 10, 20 years from now? Soil for the good ground. People who are characterized by the good ground, he gives three attributes. Verse 15, they hear with an honest and good heart, meaning they're humble and teachable. They regularly welcome the plowing and pruning of the Spirit. They hold on to the truth. They cling to it. I'm not letting go of this. It's my anchor. And finally, they endure, meaning they wait confidently on and they hope in the Lord. So in the middle of the spiritual war, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of being tempted to make earthly things primary or sinful desires take priority, I won't let my heart grow calloused. I will pursue humility in Christ. I won't try to cling to some sinking ship. I will cling to the truth. I won't grow impatient, but rather I will wait confidently and patiently upon the Lord because he is faithful. Verse 16, Jesus shifts the picture of of light away from seed, and now he's talking about light and how the word of God is not only seed, but also light. He He says this, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a blanket or covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed. He puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. Verse 16, we see the purpose of light is to illuminate. So you don't stick it under blankets unless you're building a fort, a blanket fort in your living room. Then you stick it underneath the blanket. But otherwise, in general, light is not intended to go under or be hidden. It's intended to go out for the benefit of others, as Jesus says, so that those who walk in can see where they're going. Verse 17 then tells us that light exposes. The truth of of the word reveals. Light reveals that there's a spiritual war taking place, and Jesus is the victor. Light reveals that the truth that we think is too much the, the, the light reveals that the trial that we think will be too much for us is actually leading to growth in Christ, leading to our maturity in the faith. Light reveals the sinful entanglement of worries and riches and pleasures and how they're all sinking ships, all temporary in nature that don't actually lead to joy or blessing. Therefore, as Jesus says in verse 18, take care how you listen. There's the big idea again. And don't miss what Jesus is saying there in verse 18. He's saying that there's, there's spiritual blessing when we listen and welcome the word. Just like seed produces fruit when it falls on good, humble soil, so when we walk in the light and welcome the light of truth, it leads to spiritual blessing. It leads to benefit again. See, we incorrectly think that obedience leads to misery. The devil loves to use that one. That actually disobedience leads to freedom when in fact scripture says obedience leads to freedom it leads to blessing and joy verses 19 through 21 then his mother and brothers came to him but they could not meet with him because of the crowd he was told 
Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. So Jesus' earthly family is separated from him by the crowd. Jesus is not saying that his earthly family is distant from him spiritually. Jesus is taking this moment again to teach, to teach the same idea he has earlier in this passage. Those who actually are part of the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, perfect heavenly father, are people who hear and do the word of God. It's called obedience. That keep in mind what we just read, obedience that leads to blessing. Obedience that leads to life and benefit and the good of others, both now and years down the road. As people who are anchored to the word, it's what unites us. It's what ties us together. In Christ, we are his family. In Christ, we seek to live by the scriptures because we want the Lord glorified and we pray that spiritual fruit and growth would take place and multiply for generations. Notice the focus of the parable is not on the seed. It's not on the sower either. It's all about the soil. In our culture, we see people wanting to adjust the seed. They don't want to talk about the soil. They want to talk about the seed and adjust the seed. Say, well, that doesn't line up with what I think, so I'm going to adjust the seed so that it, it falls on my heart, so it makes sense to me. The seed is good and true on its own. It doesn't need improvement. It doesn't need adjustment. Our role is not to change the seed. Our role is to ask the Lord to change our hearts, to change the soil, to cultivate in here, to give us ears that hear and hands and feet that are ready to obey and hearts that welcome that obedience. What kind of soil is your life characterized by? What kind of soil is my life characterized by? Is it the hard path that is resistant, unwilling to hear? The rocky soil where trial is causing you to turn away? Maybe at one point it shot up, but now there's something causing it to wither? Or is it the thorny ground where the false, the things of this world, are choking out the truth? Choking out what is intended to grow up and flourish? Or... Is it the good soil, humble, teachable, clinging to the word, enduring, waiting upon the Lord, knowing he's forever faithful? As a basketball coach, been coaching for 11 or 13 years. I hope I can coach this year, but we shall see. But for 13 years, how do I really know if a player is listening? How do I actually know if they're listening when I say, are you listening Are you hearing me? How do I really know? As a parent, through the years, we have 21 and 19-year-olds. How do I, when they were younger, from toddler, adolescent, teenager, how did I really know if they were listening to Heather and I? How did I really know? It's when they actually changed. When they heard what I said, like as a coach, hey, listen, why are you doing that? You're not listening to me. How do I know they're actually hearing me when they change? How do I know that a child is listening to me? It's when they change. It's when they take that word and they don't just go, well, that's a nice suggestion. I'll do it still my way. But they say, okay, I'll I'll receive that as truth and I will align my life to it. 
That is what Jesus is talking about here. How do we know if our lives are characterized by the seed falling on good ground? It's when we actually align our lives to that word. Otherwise, we're slipping into one of these other soils which will bear no fruit. The worship team can come back up. Let's be people who cultivate good soil in our hearts. This is a call to action that Jesus is giving us here. Let's open our Bibles this week. Let's bring our Bibles on Sunday mornings. Let's enjoy the Lord and His Word. If you're not on any sort of reading plan right now, if you're not consistently in the Word, a couple suggestions. Start in Psalm 119 this week. It's all about the Word of God. All about trying to get to the desire or root in us. 1 Thessalonians would be a great little letter to consider in the New Testament. A great letter or book to to be reading. We're going to be preaching through that this fall. If you've drifted from the Word being a consistent rhythm in your life, let's make patient and persistent progress this week. In our world right now, we tend to to watch and, and read and hear things with a great deal of skepticism. Rightfully so sometimes. We don't have to read this book. We don't have to read the Word of God with a great deal of skepticism. It is a sure anchor, steadfast, relevant, sufficient, true, authoritative. All these other sources that we're running to right now, all these other sources that are potentially shaping us and forming us, They're all earthly in nature. We need to be people of the Word as a way of life, not just on Sunday mornings, to welcome the Word, not just for our benefit and good, but for the benefit of others. Not just today, but tomorrow and years down the road. Father God, I pray that we would listen well. I pray that we would hear from you as we open your Word as a way of life. I pray that we would, you would give us, enable us to have ears that are prone to listen and not just listen to hear, but then act and do and obey because you are for our good. I pray that you would expose in us where the seed is falling on hard ground or rocky ground or the thorns. And I pray that as your people, that we would be characterized by people who would be allowing and welcoming and cultivating that seed to fall on good soil. Teach us to endure. Teach us to cling to the word. Teach us to pursue humility in Christ so that we would welcome it into our souls. Change us and change the generations and the people that follow us both now and into the future. We trust that you are able. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.